Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023 and the end of week 64 of the Russia-Ukraine War. It's been 3,367 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 448 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine War. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we maintain the Russian Federation has changed its tactics for missile and drone strikes, opting to launch a small number of missiles on a more frequent basis and targeting areas with little military value but that appeal to an internal audience as proof of continued successful operations. Second, the rift between the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, and private military company, or PMC Wagner Group, continues to disrupt Russian military operations in the Solidar and Bakhmut operational areas. Third, our assessment that Ukraine had ended its retrograde operation within the city of Bakhmut was inaccurate, with the process of a slow planned withdrawal continuing despite continued success on the northern and southern flanks. Fourth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Fifth, Russian sources have significantly increased their information warfare through Russian state media, social media, Russian MOD reports, following previous patterns during periods of Ukrainian military successes. And finally, We've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Ukrainian positions, quote, in the area of Dvorichna were shelled and we remain unsure if there is DRG activity in the area or if shelling was on the west bank of the Oskil River at Dvorichna. There continues to be conflicting information on the status of Masyutivka, with the GSAFU reporting fighting continued, Deep State reporting fighting in the area, the Russian MOD reporting fighting continued, and Russian mill bloggers reporting the hamlet was captured. We stand by our map update from May 15th. The GSAFU reported that Ukrainian positions in the area of Vilshana were attacked by Russian aviation forces for the second day in a row. 
Mercenary mill blogger Horgonzo reported that Russian forces attempted to advance on Sinkivka but were unsuccessful. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian Surveillance, Reconnaissance, and Sabotage Units, or DRG, were operating in the area of Orlyanske, in Timkovka, and Kotlyarivka. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson Colonel Serhii Cherevati reported that Russian forces fired 560 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, and drone-delivered IEDs from Dvorichna in Kharkiv to Bilohorivka in Luhansk, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, completed 17 airstrikes. In the Svatova operational area, in a rare case of agreement, the GSAFU and Russian MOD reported positional fighting near Novoselivske and Stelmachivka with no change to the line of conflict. While no major fighting was reported in the Kremina operational area, NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS, supported by geolocated videos, showed a significant number of thermal anomalies in the Russian-occupied forested areas west of Kremina and the Serebriansky Woods. In the Lysychansk operational area, after an extended period of relative calm, Russian forces attempted to advance on Bilohorivka, in Luhansk, from the southeast without success. In northeast Donetsk, in the Bakhmut operational area, the Russian MOD reported completing 74 fire missions, and Russian Army Aviation and VKS completed nine close air support sorties. We estimate that Ukrainian forces maintain control of 2 square kilometers of Bakhmut, or 0.83 square miles, or roughly 4.8% of the city, with PMC Wagner making small gains in the North District. We still cannot share our information about a Ukrainian advance in the Klishyivka operational area due to operational security, or OPSEC. In northwest Bakhmut, Wargonzo claimed that Ukrainian forces made additional gains in the direction of Berkhivka without evidence, so we did not update the map. In northern Bakhmut, PMC Wagner reached Yuvalena Street south of School 18, with intense fighting continuing to the west, south, and east of their forward position. There were no reported territorial changes in west-central and southern Bakhmut, with PMC Wagner continuing to attempt to advance towards School No. 2 on Korsunskoho Street and regain lost positions at the Industrial College. South of Ivanivsky, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported continued heavy fighting. A pocket of Russian forces from the 4th Brigade, 2nd Army Corps of the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, was surrounded and eliminated, with several prisoners captured, and Wargonzo reporting that all Russian troops and PMC Wagner mercenaries had retreated from the ledge northwest of Klishyivka. Anger is growing among Russian troops, mill bloggers, and their supporters over the state of the defensive positions built by PMC Wagner on the outskirts of Ivanivsky, with survivors from the LNR 2nd Army Corps reporting trenches they were sent to defend weren't even knee-deep and provided little to no concealment from the line of fire and drones. Multiple Russian mill bloggers directed rage at the Russian MOD and PMC Wagner over the situation in the Klishyivka operational area, including Andriy Mursov, or Murs, who wrote, quote, Let's give credit to Mr. Prigozhin as a business. 
Those guys from the 4th who tried to gain a foothold in these positions, they, for the most part, died. Prigozhin said, let someone come and die uselessly here instead of my people, and we will earn more money elsewhere. And they came and died. His business is death, and he's doing well. It's going awesome. End quote. Angry Patriot member and ultranationalist Vladimir Grubnik added to Moore's screed, writing, quote, Why are you becoming the voice of the 4th Brigade? Why don't the 4th Brigade officers also come out against the background of the bodies of their dead and say the same thing that Prigozhin did? Nothing to say? Not at all? Privately, they say all this. Why do you speak for everyone, sergeant of the 14th Armored Personnel Carrier, and not they? Do they have anything to say, or do they not want to? If they don't tell you, the same thing will happen again, and again, and again, and again. End quote. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, Wargonzo reported that the water treatment plant on the H-20 highway west of Krutabalka was recaptured by Ukrainian forces, with the 1st Army Corps incapable of holding their recent gain. We did not update the map pending a second source report. Russian forces attempted to advance in the direction of Avdiivka from Vesele without success. The Avdiivka Iron Coke plant, which so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, officials stated in 2022 they wanted to capture intact due to its economic importance, has been entirely obliterated by near-constant shelling and airstrikes by the Russian VKS. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued both within the remains of the city and the area around it with no change in the situation. In the Velika Novosilka operational area, the Russian MOD reported that a Ukrainian DRG unit probed Russian defenses in the area of Uroshaine. In occupied southwest Donetsk, insurgents reported that there were, quote, massive movements of Russian equipment and personnel in the directions of Berdyansk, Polohi, and Volnovakha from Mariupol, and that Russian movements were occurring at night in an attempt to mask the transfers. Also in Mariupol, the Vostochny shopping center caught fire for an unknown reason and was heavily damaged, sending black smoke over the city. The fire was unrelated to ongoing movie production, which has resulted in numerous false reports of missile attacks and gun battles within Mariupol over the last two weeks. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces completed 83 fire missions, four drone attacks, and one airstrike along the line of conflict in the Zaporizhia Oblast. Our misgivings on statements from Enerhoatam officials that Russians were evacuating from Enerhodar and preparing to remove the families of Zaporizhia nuclear power plant or ZNPP workers were well-placed. Enerhoatam claimed that occupation officials have returned to the city and critical functions such as grocery stores and pharmacies have reopened, but gas stations remain empty. International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, officials had reported on May 12th that evacuations in Enerhodar were voluntary, not mandatory. 
Energoatom claimed up to 2,500 Russian troops are now stationed at ZNPP, turning the nuclear power plant into a de facto military base. If true, this would be a violation of Article 56 of the Geneva Convention. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that the Black Sea Fleet had 13 vessels on patrol, including two Kilo-class submarines in the Black Sea capable of launching including two Kilo-class submarines in the Black Sea capable of launching eight caliber cruise missiles and one frigate in the Azov Sea capable of launching eight additional calibers. During the day on May 16th in Mykolaiv, caliber cruise missiles damaged a shopping mall a large auto dealership, a factory, and six high-rise apartment buildings, wounding one person. Three missiles were launched by the Black Sea Fleet, with two reported hits and the third exploding in flight due to a malfunction. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces completed 79 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 406 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, kamikaze drones, and bombs. The city of Kherson was attacked six times with 26 munitions targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure. Kherson Oblast administrative and military governor spokesperson Oleksandr Tolokoniko said that two people were wounded in Stanislav due to shelling, a teenager driving a tractor was wounded when they ran over a landmine, and two more men were wounded in Kherson by shrapnel during an artillery strike. Russian forces targeted a DTEC facility, destroying vehicles and equipment used to restore electrical power in the Kherson region. The Russian VKS dropped Fab 500 SE UMPK bombs on Kisomis and Bilozerka. The bridge across the Inulets in Darivka, which was heavily damaged by Ukrainian forces during the Russian occupation and then destroyed by Russian troops during their November withdrawal, was shelled, despite no activity or attempts to restore the bridge and multiple bypasses across the Inulets already established. Three children were wounded in Molodizhne by Russian artillery, including an eight-year-old who suffered a serious closed head injury and required hospitalization. The hospital in Berislav was shelled, damaging the intensive care unit and the core hospital departments. Over 60 windows were shattered and walls were damaged, though with no injuries to patients or medical personnel. With the risk of flooding due to the record depth of the Kohovka Reservoir, Russian occupiers opened up the floodgates at the Kohovka Dam, flooding some of their defensive positions in Nova Kohovka on the east bank of the Dnipro. In north and northeast Ukraine, Seven Romadas in the Sumy Oblast were shelled by Russian forces, including Miropilia, Bilopilia, Yunakivka, Seredina Buda, Khotin, Velika Pisarivka, and Nova Sloboda, targeting 20 border villages. In Miropilia, Russian forces dropped four grenades from drones and fired 11 mortars and five artillery rounds in the region, damaging a grain silo, a garage belonging to an agricultural business, and a private home, wounding one. The Bilopilia region was hit by 33 mortars, damaging a home. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. We have suggested that what we call the Ukrainian Mossad has been operating inside and outside of Ukraine, 
and the head of the Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, Kirilo Budnov, appeared to confirm our assessment, stating that Ukrainian agents have carried out attacks on Russian figures, including propagandists. Social media erupted with claims and counterclaims of the failure and destruction or total success of a United States Patriot missile system in Kyiv. Ukrainian Air Force spokesperson Yuri Ignat said, quote, There is no need to worry about the fate of the Patriot air defense system. It is impossible to destroy it with the Kinjal. It has a command post, radar, and up to eight launchers. Everything is at a certain distance. End quote. A quick note, this is obviously correct, with the radar array being the most vulnerable piece because it's easily detected and not super mobile. Also, just because the Russian Federation Armed Forces have clustered TELS, radar, and command posts together, doesn't mean that other militaries do it too. OPSEC breaches did confirm that Ukraine has been provided with PAC-3 CRI air defense missiles, which are primarily designed to destroy ballistic missiles. CNN, citing anonymous U.S. officials, reported that the May 15th Russian attack likely damaged one of the Patriot systems but did not destroy it and that U.S. officials were assessing the severity of the damage. White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said the White House could not confirm if a Patriot system suffered damage, with another anonymous official later claiming there was no damage caused. The Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, reported that six bloggers and social media users who shared pictures, videos, and reports on the location of air defense units within Kyiv would be criminally charged for violating Ukrainian law by publicly reporting the activity of the Ukrainian military and are facing up to eight years in prison. The Ukrainian State Bureau of Investigation, or SBI, has issued criminal charges in absentia to Senior Lieutenant Kostyantin Bezmertny the former head of the material service of the 501st Separate Marine Brigade. Bezmertny is facing treason charges for allegedly deceiving Ukrainian Marines into surrendering in Mariupol in April 2022. Pending charges against 277 Marines who were accused of desertion have been dropped. Ukrainian investigators wrote, quote, The investigation established that the head of the rear logistics of the 501st Separate Marine Brigade betrayed his oath and sided with the enemy. He conspired with the Russians and persuaded the commander to surrender. The traitor persuaded the commander to cease defensive actions and surrender weapons and personnel. 277 servicemen of the battalion were ordered to redeploy, but they were transferred to the DNR. The soldiers were misled. Therefore, they did not realize and could not realize the illegal nature of the order or command to surrender. End quote. Bezmertny is now reportedly in Berdyansk, fighting for the 1st Army Corps. Ukraine has officially joined NATO's cyber center, with the Ukrainian foreign minister stating, quote, Today, the national flag of Ukraine is officially raised at the headquarters of the NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence in Tallinn, marking official accession of Ukraine to the CCDCOE, end quote. Located in Tallinn, Estonia, CCDCOE is a NATO-accredited cybersecurity center and think tank specializing in applied research, analysis, information exchange, and cyber defense training. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is asking for 50 to 60 F-16 fighter aircraft on an urgent basis, 
Citing Russia's introduction of the Fab 500 SEM-62 or UMPK glide bombs and Ukraine having no viable deterrent. He has requested that the issue be discussed at the G7 summit in Tokyo and the NATO summit in Lithuania. During President Zelensky's ongoing tour of multiple Western nations, multiple countries have committed to start training Ukrainian pilots to fly the F-16 and other undisclosed military aircraft immediately. The United Kingdom is sending, quote, hundreds of long-range kamikaze drones specifically engineered for the needs of the Ukrainian military and the conditions in the theater of war, with a story in the Telegraph stating, quote, they have been rapidly developed and adapted at significantly lower costs than others. They have a comparable effect to an artillery shell, end quote. France announced they would transfer Scalp-EG cruise missiles to Ukraine, which are identical to the British Storm Shadow. Ukraine has received the first Italian-French SAMP-T anti-aircraft missile system, a long-range air defense system. SAMP-T can destroy hostile aircraft at ranges from 3 to 100 kilometers and ballistic missiles at ranges from 3 to 25 kilometers. The German company Hensholt signed a contract to supply Ukraine with six more TRML-4D air surveillance radars worth 100 million euros. Ukraine has already deployed the radars as part of the IRIS-T SLM air defense system. The United States is inching closer to defaulting on its national debt for the first time in history, with lawmakers having less than two weeks to form a compromise and ratify the solution in the House and Senate before an estimated June 1st deadline. The U.S.'s so-called debt ceiling enables the United States to pay its debt on money that has already been spent and is not connected to future spending. If a compromise is not reached, it will devastate the global economy and reduce the value of the U.S. dollar while shutting down the entirety of the federal government, with essential workers such as the U.S. military and law enforcement required to work without pay. A shutdown could compromise global military logistics, which depends on a network of semi-private contractors for sea and air shipping and would not abate until lawmakers reach a new deal. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.